All right, folks, it's the outdoor walking pod. See, I have all kinds of uh, new ways of making this pod. Right now I'm in, I think, Chardon or Chesterland, Ohio, walking in front of a thrift store and a Chinese restaurant on my way to a place called Farmer in the Dell. It's a sandwich shop. You know, I'm just uh, thinking about... <sighs> There's no set format of making a pod, right? You don't have to be in a studio. You know, this freedom that we have now with these iPhones and the ability to, you know, just about work anywhere we want to work. It's just hard getting used to. I'm an old school guy. You know, I, I, have, I feel like I should have an office and, uh, you know, have people in there that are working on some type of device, whether it's a computer or a typewriter or a dictaphone. You know, it's... And I don't even do that kind of business. I'm a comic. You know, it's kind of weird that I would even have those longings this idea of remote working that you can just work anywhere you want still getting used to it but i could see the advantages right now because i'm in ohio i left i left florida my work allows me to go just about anywhere i want to go you know doing stand-up uh, i can do and you know i can i was offered a gig this morning in canada to sit in the stands of a hockey game and be funny that's that's kind of interesting, right? It wasn't enough money, by the way. 600 bucks to fly to Canada, which I'm not happy with because of their bullshit policies and what they did during COVID. I'm not sure I want to go back to Canada. It's got to be a lot of money before I fucking suck it up and go back to Canada. And I got a passport. I'm ready. I'll go. You know, it's not the Canadian people either. I, always, I made that mistake before thinking, you know, you can't say Canada and be mad at the people. You're mad at the policies of the government. I'm mad at the fucking policies of our government. So, and I'm here, so what the f- what's the difference where you go make your money? I, I just wanna be around people. I'm doing this little Tony Robbins thing. Let me tell you about it. And I, I'm gonna bring it all the way back to Canada. But it, uh, I've realized through this cassette program that I bought for a buck at a garage sale. Let me tell you something. That's where you get the deals, folks. That's why I'm at this thrift store. I'm with my, my wife and my daughter hanging out, looking for things. I've been doing this all my life, so this is not something new. But I found these cassettes, uh, The Power Within You, Tony Robbins. Nobody has a cassette player, so they're worth about a dollar for something that probably sold for thousands of dollars when it first came out. I have a cassette player. I have a device from the past, a device that will unlock the mysteries of the cassette tape and put them into my brain, which is the power in you cassettes from Tony Robbins. And listening to these things, it, ca- it came with a book, right? It came with this little workbook that you follow along. And uh, I'm doing the book and came to a realization. <laughs> I'm in a parking lot. You can hear that? You guys get that whistling muffler? Yeah, that's going to make some noise. i got to kind of get away from this guy. But I came to a realization after going through... I'm only on the third day of these cassettes. It's like 30 days. And he wanted me to... He wanted me to, like he's actually talking to me. He wanted me to associate. Tell me what, what, is, what neural associations have led to positive outcomes for me. Well, one of them was Laughter. Making people laugh has always made me feel comfortable, at least accepted. And then more than that, liked. 
which I, you know, maybe I didn't realize that. Maybe that's why I do stand-up. So let's bring it back to Canada. I go to Canada, I sit in the stands, I make f- some, some type of funny video with the Canadians at a hockey, at a hockey game. As long as I'm making people laugh and they like it, I'm happy. So it doesn't matter where the gig is or what kind of gig it is, even a podcast. You know, the podcast is not getting a lot of traction. There's one dude that keeps on, <laughs> that keeps downloading 60 episodes um, once a month. And I'm just guessing that it's one dude because it's just very strange. And all of a sudden, you know, very low downloads and all of a sudden a massive drop, you know, massive group of downloads take place. We were doing better when it was me and Mike and Donnie and we were consistent. But things change. So I have to be grateful for the one dude that's downloading 60 at a time to keep my numbers up. And maybe it's more than one. I don't know. My point is that I enjoy doing the podcast. I'm not sure it would matter if there was a crowd listening to this because it's cathartic. It actually is like psychotherapy. It's like... Uh, counseling. You know, it's a way of me saying things and uh, hearing myself talk about things and expressing them. It's easier for me to write that way too. Like when I'm writing jokes, a lot of times I'll just go in my garage, I'll pace and I'll talk to myself about the bit or I'll do the bit out loud and hear it. And other bits, other jokes, other tags come from that instead of sitting there with pen and paper, because I'll do that too. It's just not as effective as me being out there and talking. Talking and expressing myself, um, even just to me, works for multiple things. You know, in my business, it doesn't matter. I can do this podcast, comedy, commercials, anything that has to do with speaking, my teaching gigs, anything I do at construction school, all the different things, as long as I'm speaking, I get to practice speaking practice talking. I'm better at it than I've ever been. You know, I can do multiple things with it. I can motivate, which does not get that neuro that neuro association with motivation. I don't know if it's going to be as good as laughter because laughter really gets to the core of people, right? You see someone laugh at you. Wow. That's big. You can make someone like upset very easily. And that's what people do in this world. I hate to say it, but so I don't really watch the news as much. I mean, there's terrible things going on in the world and I fucking can't stand it. But I'm not going to get sucked in by those who are marketing bad news to me. And that that happens. Much easier to get people hypnotically trapped in some type of negative space or aura. I don't want to do that. I want to try to stay up and happy because I'm I'm naturally negative because I came from a family that really um, kind of patted each other on the back for how bad things were. Anytime you were sick or sad or broke, you got a real big pat on the back if you were successful. Dick, you got dick. That's what you got. People turned away from you or they were jealous of you. So, yeah, I have that that uh, natural uh, state of negativity, the g- genetic portion of me, which I try to combat. So I don't need any more negativity. And I'd like to stay positive, which I think is why I, I turn away from things that are not great. And hearing someone laugh at something you said, for me, is huge because I, I know that I've done something good, something positive. I'm not a preacher. 
I'm not a motivational speaker. I could be easier than a comedian. Comedy is the hardest probably form of, um, what, do they, what do they call that? Public speaking. Had a little brain wave there that kind of got messed up. I'm looking at trees and Halloween decorations, walking on a, a road that has been tarred over multiple times in a beautiful part of Ohio, 55 degree weather, and it's distracting for me. It's distracting. At the same time, it's calming because I live in Florida, 30 some years in oppressive heat at this time of year. I talked to one of my friends there today, he was going golfing. I was not jealous because I could feel this cool breeze on my face. It's like, oh, this is, this is life right here, man. I could breathe. I'm not, I'm not fucking dying and sweating. Uh, I also have, along with my negative genetic disposition, I have the, is it cold-blooded? Cold-blooded animals can't stand the heat or hot-blooded animals? Shit, I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up. Um, but I sweat easily. Drop it a hat. All I got to do is be in 73 plus, and that's it. You know, and imagine living in 90 plus for 30 years, constantly sweating. Yeah. So I'm very distracted and pleased and calm and serene, which puts me in kind of a dreamlike state. It's not good for work, by the way. Um, maybe when it gets super cold and you can't stand it, you'd rather be inside, you know, busting your ass working. But right now, in this area, I'd rather be outside. I'm looking at buckeyes on a tree. Buckeyes that are still green with this kind of furry stuff on them. And inside is the beautiful buckeye. Hasn't dropped it yet. All the trees up here remind me of going to school in the 70s because we did a lot of leaf collecting and uh, that type of thing for science class, I guess. Didn't really take botany when I was in middle school, but yeah, science class which just reminded me, you know, the smells. It's cool. It's like going backwards, living in the past, actually doing it through the sense of smell and sight and, and uh, I guess, neuroassociation. Damn, Tony. Tony Robbins is good. Yes, you're associating pleasure with a smell. Hmm. And you, I'm sure there's smells that you do not associate pleasure with, right? That's what keeps you away from those things. That thing does not smell too good. Stay away. I think what he was trying to express and why I'm looking at it, why am I, why am I listening to Tony Robbins? I always, first of all, I always have listened to motivation because naturally the brain, if you let it just exist, it will create its own shit that's not great for you. So you want to program it, you know, to the right things and, and to the goals that we're trying to, I'm trying to achieve, which are hard, you know, writing every day, creating videos, making podcasts, I did pretty good this week, you know, for two days. Two days, I did really good. Uh, today, I'm taking a, a little break. I'll be back working tomorrow. But I have to associate the work now with pleasure. You know, doing the work does give me pleasure. And I understand that I already know this. It's just reminding myself that, remember, the work is hard at the moment. You don't get any instant gratification from the work you're doing that's because the, the result is long-term. 
So you have to remember that the result of all the work will produce pleasure in the form of the podcast that you're working on or the videos or the comedy. Yeah. Constant analysis is the, the uh, struggle of the creative person, I think. Maybe not. Maybe not. I think there's some natural creatives and there's some lunatic creatives. I just happen to be an analytical business-like creative where I look at what I do and assess yes or no. It doesn't really matter with pure creative. Pure creative does what he wants to do. That's the difference between entertainer and artist. An artist does whatever the fuck he wants to do. Entertainer has to have an audience and typically you want the audience to be entertained so you must produce something that the audience likes. Artist puts out that fucking painting. He doesn't have any fucking idea if anyone's going to like it or not. And if it, if it does, you know, ring a bell with somebody, then good. But actually, the true artist could give a fuck. That's a great thing, except you need money, right? To live like an artist only, you can't just do it. Because even if you didn't have a job or you didn't, actually need money to go get things to buy food and things you would still have to go hunt and gather and make clothing and shelter no one can be just pure artist um, unless you are you know in some cocoon some colony where they're supporting you that's such a weird thing I I don't know if that happens anymore I've heard those stories you know the bohemians the hippies the gypsies the, the roamers the the, the free thinkers, all the people, the people who weren't the man. Probably there are still people who are being, who have benefactors, right? But being a kept artist, that's a weird thing too. That's a very odd thing. So I do kind of, I want my stuff to be good. I want people to like it. I associate that with me being liked and me being accepted in the world. So yeah, I mean, there's nothing else I can really do about that except change the association. Now, why would I want to do that? Well, you don't really want to depend on always people liking you because you have to stand alone. It's good to receive praise and clapping and laughing and, you know, all the rest of it. And the reason, too, for me is a lot. I have to make money. So I don't want to do anything else. I've done a lot of other things. You know, I started out as a kid. As, I'm a, I, was a, I was a hustler. I'd knock on your door, sell you something that I bought, by the way, at a drugstore that was on sale. I just marked it up, brought it to your house, made a little money. Or seeds were a big thing back in the day. Comic books used to have this little thing that would... Uh, it was a little advertisement that said, hey, man, you sell enough seeds, we'll send you a baseball glove. Well, I didn't want the baseball glove, but I took the idea and ran with it, got some seeds from stores and, and sold that. I think that's where it first started. And then I bought everything. Whatever was on sale that I thought was valuable, I would flip. And I was a flipper, a beer can collector, coin collector, stamp collector, um, everything furniture would refinish furniture i made a lot of money as a little kid in a time where you didn't need a lot of money to get things so i was pretty well off 
as a little toddler, you know, 10-year-old kid with a couple grand in the bank, which disappeared, disappeared pretty quick. I, maybe it wasn't 10. Let's, let's, let's back this up again because I don't want to get fact-checked on this sometime in the future on, like, if I'm on Jimmy Fallon. And he goes, hey, man, I heard a podcast where you said you had two Gs at 10. It's probably more like 13, but I had about two grand. And my mother had to use it, you know, for something. So that, that kind of left. And then I worked in a pizza place with my father. I worked um, delivering papers. And eventually I started painting, which painting was the, painting was big, man. As a 15-year-old, 16-year-old landscaper slash painter, did really well. Snow shoveler, did really well. That was like the, the pattern, by the way. That's exactly what everybody who, in Cleveland, Italian kids, a lot of Italian people, because the reason I say this is because every landscape company had the name of some Italian guy on the side of the truck. So for me, I thought it was only Italians that did landscaping. Um, yeah, different now, right? So made that money, was able to make it, and was able to support myself. Even through college, I made money. And then comedy came along, and I was like, this is the way to make money, right? So you want to work at something that you love, that produces the right brain pattern to make you feel good and survive, because it's all about surviving. When you look at this big picture, folks, we're trying to survive I'm just one dude out of 8 billion or something like that, right? You think about how many people are out there trying to survive every day. It'll blow your mind, first of all. You can't comprehend it. And then you think about how lucky or fortunate you are where you live, what you have, um, the brain that you have, that God gave you, right? I'm going to use that, that little phrase. And... Uh, used it you use it to the point where you are successful enough to right now i'm wearing a decent pair of jeans and tennis shoes and a flannel a 50 dollar carhartt flannel i got a wad of money in my pocket that's a dump truck i'm by the dump truck you hear the dump truck yeah and i'm in beautiful weather Sure, I don't have as much hair as I would like, but let's focus on that negative. What did I tell you about my genetics, you see? Right back to it. See, I can't walk into my family's Sunday dinner and brag about how good I feel, how lucky and fortunate I am. They won't listen, but if I go, fuck, look at the hair loss that I'm experiencing. Yeah, that's bad, dude. And then they'll talk about their hair loss. They'll commiserate with you. You're part of the commiseration. Now, I wonder if there's such a thing as the positive family. <laughs> the positive family. I've, I've walked into some families where it seems happy. But the positive family, and I think I have one. I think me and my wife and my three kids keep it fairly positive. You know, if it looks like it's going south, change direction. Make everybody happy. Now, that's, that's a goal of mine to escape the trap of negativity because it's so easy and it seems like so much fun. God, I can't lose weight. God, my hair looks like shit. God, I can't make any money. God, I got fired. God, my boss is a dick. God, that's... Hang on, folks. They're about to dump it again. Dumping it. I'm not sure what he's dumping. 
Looks like a county facility. Hold on. Look how cool that was. I just got a phone call from my kid as I'm making a podcast. I was able to stop the recording, talk to her, and then come back to you. Wonderful world of technology. Wonderful world of people who create and make products that make our lives better. Can't bring that to Sunday dinner. What the fuck are you talking about, Carl? Well, you know, the guy from Apple, he made phones that you can take a call without a cord. You can get an email. You can make a podcast on it. You can look up something on Google. You have a map on it. So? So? Didn't you fucking hear about what's going on down uh, uh, with my brother? And he's not, he's not doing what I told him. We we're going to put a fucking shower in that house where we're modeling. He said, no shower. They don't need a shower. So you, all of a sudden, we're on no shower in the house that they're remodeling. The, neg- the, the absolute screaming <sighs> from grown adults about shit that doesn't mean dick in the big picture. Why are we talking about this again? How about let's champion the great stuff? How about the tools you're using to put that shower in? How about the fact that you own the lot in the house and have the funds to do this? Why can't you get along? Why can't you see? This is where I get, what I get dragged into, especially living up here in Cleveland. And um, it's one of the things that I was very cognizant about. And I said to my wife, we've got to be careful not to get sucked into the world of crap, of everyone being pissed off, of everybody not understanding or seeing beauty, of everyone thinking I'm weird. You're weird. What do you, what do you, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me is I'm not going along with your bullshit. That's what's going on. I'm trying to get us out of the muck. Now, why did I come back? Well, there's a lot of weirdness about that. You know, I wanted to live back up north somewhere temporarily or have a place up here. I just wanted a place where I could come back for this weather, for, you know, fall, for winter, where I could see, you know, different types of people, where I can socialize differently than Florida, where I can be around other family too. You know, I mean, I'm around the family that's kind of crazy, that drives me nuts. But there's a lot of love. The benefits, you know, what am I associating with? Tony, where's Tony Robbins writing him? Why am I back around people that are fairly negative? Why? Does it make me comfortable? Does it make me feel better than them? Because I am, look at what I've done. I've, I've pulled myself up and you haven't. Am I pulling one of those things? I pray to God that I'm not. Because I don't want to be, you know, doing that. What I want to do is stand on my own. I want to be the artist. The artist that does what he does and whether or not someone likes it, well, I like it. I'm happy about it. I'm happy about the way I'm living my life. I'm happy about the way I handle my, myself, how I deal with people, my relationships. And I also have this fixer mentality, this savior mentality where I think, well, I can help them. Hmm. Woo. No, I can't help them. And trying to help is good if you understand what's going on. If you see that it's not working, 
and you continue, it's more about you. Dr. Laura taught me that. Yes, Dr. Laura, Tony Robbins, Tom Hopkins, Norman, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, Louis C.K., Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, Sam Kinison, just to name a few of influences that still affect me on a daily basis. I'm very susceptible to programming. And it's because of being plopped in front of a television and being told not to, not to go out of the house or not to do this or be careful or don't risk too much. It's safer just to watch this TV. There was no real... My father, first of all, did not do anything. You know, he brought me out into the world on a limited basis. There's more about him. He wasn't raising me. He was using me so he'd have an interesting life. Oh, I got this kid. Now I get to go back to the parks with this kid and, you know, ride a roller coaster. I, yes, I benefited from his rejuvenating his youth through mine, but there was no guidance. There was no talk. There was no, hey, you know, you did something wrong. How about we sit down and talk about this? It was just a beating. It was no, hey, this is what the future should look like. And here's why. It was just, you're going to do this. So I have to really say that, yeah, I was in a, a very weird state as a kid, raised weird. My mother did not really fight too much for my, my independence from my father. And I was yanked around. They got divorced twice. And when I was there, when I was with my mom, she had to work. And I feel sorry for her. I feel like she had a, a brutal life. But she didn't really do much, really, to combat it. Not enough. And for me to seek solace, I watched television. You know, I was with my grandmother, an older Italian woman who did not speak much English, did not think about learning Italian, by the way. No one was going to do that for us. It was more like we were nuisances. Four of us got plopped out of this woman, and now we have, they have to feed us, and this is going to be a headache because we're divorced, and our relationship sucks, and we don't have any money, and no fucking future now. And these were 20-year-olds, folks. These were people who had their first kid at 21. And I get it. When I was 21, I was a mess. But mostly, and let's just say mostly, a good chunk of my mess was created by these other 20-year-olds. So I did watch a lot of TV, and I thought that's how what life was about. A lot of the shows that I watched... Even fantasy-based shows like I Dream of Genie, Gilligan's Island. I say fantasy with Gilligan's Island because it just wasn't possible in reality, right? To be stranded on an island and look good all the time. <laughs> and not, you know, not within seven days eat each other. Um, any of the shows that I watched, even I, I watched Limited Brady Bunch, but they, I did watch it. I watched uh, game shows a lot. I had no idea like that most of these shows were being produced from New York or LA. I didn't understand any of it, you know, where these houses were, why there's always sunshine, the beautiful buildings. I didn't, I didn't know where these metropolises were. I watched a lot of Batman as a kid also. And, you know, it's not where I was from. Cleveland and especially little Italy, Collinwood, where I came from, didn't have a whole bunch of action. It was a lot of older Italian women who had lost their husbands, who wore black, 
who walked everywhere, who went to this little grocery store called Zuko's, and the church and the school was the main focus. That was it. Like, we never left this little area for years. No matter how much I got moved around and yanked around, I was always in that area with my grandmother. And I had three sisters, too, so it wasn't great. No boys to, to play with or to rough around with or to test my strength on. I got in trouble when I did that. If I, got, if I was roughhousing with my, kid, with my sisters, then I got in trouble for that. I got beat up for that. So it wasn't like being taught the progression of, of how to be a, a, a man in so many ways. I just became somebody who was really teaching himself. <laughs> I, taught my, I think I taught myself more than anyone's ever taught me. I continue to do that. I'm very much a self-taught person. You know, it doesn't matter what it comes down to. That's why Google is amazing or YouTube is amazing. You know, I've learned better isolated where I can rewind the tape, read over something again. I've gone to college. I have the degree. I went for fun. I went not ever thinking that I was going to use this degree. It was, it was a great time. I enjoyed it and I did learn, but I didn't go specifically to learn something. I wish that would have happened. I probably should have taken theater. Theater would have been amazing for me because that's one of the things I still don't have uh, a grip on. I still have this you know, theater lets you be loose and you can embarrass yourself without too much worry, you know, because you're learning to be awkward on stage and being okay with it. And in comedy, that's important unless you take on a certain character. You know, when I watched Eddie Murphy, he was very confident. Eddie Murphy was a very confident stand-up that did bits that's, that made him look good versus like Louis C.K., who he's, he doesn't seem as confident, but his words very clear his message is very clear he's kind of slovenly he doesn't look great <laughs> he's not showboating but he's very effective and funny and a lot of people told me that eddie murphy was not a comic he wasn't a stand-up he was a comedian he was a comic actor i didn't understand that i didn't get that i i, I didn't have the guidance so every time i heard something like that i had to go back take a step back oh you thought you knew carm you actually thought you knew what you, were, what you were doing or getting involved with what you were talking about. You don't know. So one of the things I've learned is that I don't know a lot. And I have to be very careful when I start talking about something. Because I always say, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly. Hold on, here comes a bus. I have to get between these trees. It's a school bus. I might not know exactly you know, precisely what I'm talking about. I know a lot around the subject. So got to be careful not to be uh, judging myself as an expert. There's certain things I have a lot of knowledge in. And that's a little different than what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in life, in life, some of these things that parents help kids understand. Even at this age, a 60-year-old man could use an 81-year-old father, but he's not here. I have my Uncle Nick, though. Big Nick, if I need to talk to him, it's hard because he's not my dad, and it's hard because you kind of don't want to show weakness at 60, and that's, that's a tough thing. See, if your father loves you unconditionally, he never views you as weak, but my family will view you as weak or needy or didn't know or gotcha. 
you know, and that's painful. And so you avoid that. I think I avoid that with my family, you know, because I, I try to talk to my mother about things. She's good on some things, but on a lot of things she isn't. And you don't want to burden your wife too much. And you don't want to, you know, you just, you needed, you need, everyone needs two good, strong parents. It just doesn't happen like that. So if it hasn't happened like that for you, for the eight people who are downloading my podcast, don't worry about it. You really just have to take control yourself and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this today. I'm going to learn. I'm going to achieve. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be the artist. See you next time.